What makes you laugh? Like, how would you describe your sense of humor? These things can be subjective, right? They're different for people. For instance, and yes, I may get in trouble for this. I'm going to say it anyway. I'm not a huge fan of the movie Dumb and Dumber. Okay, there, I said it. I mean, I get that people find it absolutely hilarious. Please do not email me trying to convince me otherwise. I find it mildly amusing, but not the laugh out loud movie that so many people love. However, I love Zoolander. I, I, that movie is laugh out loud funny to me. And so many people I know just don't think it's funny. So just like with people, some are pretty funny and make you laugh all the time. And then there are the people who maybe don't. So if you're one of those people, is it possible to become funnier? Well, some would really like to. Adam Mastuini might be able to help you with that. He's an experimental psychologist and author of the Experimental History Newsletter. Adam, thanks for joining us this morning. Hey, thanks for having me. Can you teach people to be funny? <laughs> uh, well, some people think that I can. So in, in my other life, I, uh, I teach and perform improv comedy. And so I get a lot of people coming into class who are like, I'm here to be funnier. And, uh, and the thing about teaching improv is one, one of the top rules is don't tell jokes and people are really confused about this. Um, and so I, I tried to figure out some way of explaining that I can't make you funnier in the way that you hope that I can, but I can make you funnier in a different way. Basically, there are two ways of being funny and people want to be the wrong one. Okay. What are the two ways of being funny? So this is how I've come to think of it over, over trying to teach this for a while. I think there are the kind of people who are funny to listen to. Uh, and so I call these people jokers. These are the kind of people who make good stand-up comedians or writers. They can come up with a joke from scratch on their own. But there's also people who are funny not just to listen to, but to talk to. Um, and I think of these people as jammers. These are the kind of people who make good improvisers. Uh, or improv comedians, but they also make good people to have a conversation with. And so I think when people think about getting funnier, they think about becoming a joker, being the kind of person who could uh, who could like write a punchline. Um, but I think that actually isn't that useful for most people's lives most of the time. It does come in handy in some situations. What people really want to be able to do is to is to laugh with someone, to make a good conversation with someone. And that's actually a separate skill. Getting better at the first one doesn't actually make you better at the second one. Uh, yeah. In fact, getting better at being a joker uh, can often just make you annoying in most conversations. <laughs> That's so true. It sounds like what people really are asking you, though, is can you teach them how to have a different sense of humor? Yeah. And uh, I always kind of feel like, no, I can't, I can't do that. I can't change who you are as a person, but I can give you some skills. And I think there are skills that make people better at having a good time with other people. And I think this is really what people want, even if they don't realize it. Um, they, they want to be liked and they want to connect with other people more than they just want other people to laugh at their jokes. I think the reason we want people to laugh at our jokes is because we think that means that they like us, but, but that doesn't necessarily mean the case. Like people could laugh at people that they don't actually like. So and true. I see this all the time in improv classes where like, yeah, there's this funny person, but he's a jerk. And when the whole class goes out for a drink afterward, they're not going to invite him. Even though he got some laughs, uh, he didn't get friends. Okay, so let's talk about the ways in which people can improve their sense of humor in order to be perhaps liked a little more. Is that possible? <laughs> yeah, I mean, 
I, I think of this l less as, uh, I guess, improving your sense as improving your skills. So this is what happens in an improv comedy class that, that you come in and it's not about here's how to structure a good punchline or here's how to have good timing. It is here's how to listen um, and here's how to take seriously uh, the things that other people say and build on them. So a lot of people know the rule from improv called yes and, which is where I agree to the reality that you're created, creating and I add to it. I think that rule is fine. I actually like the second rule a lot better, which is treat your scene partner like a genius. Uh, so basically act as if the things that they say could be interesting and cool to talk about. And magically those things will become interesting and cool to talk about. And I think that's not just a good, good rule for improv. That's a good rule for life. Because when I'm in a conversation with someone who treats me like I could be interesting, I become more interesting. But when I'm in a conversation with someone who, who thinks that, uh, that I'm boring, I become more boring. Um, it's a performance. There, be like you're what, you're, what you're talking like. about putting yes, on a performance. Yes. Uh, well, I think uh, putting on a performance, I, I think, is exactly the way that people think about this when they're like, oh, I want to be a joker. I want people to pay attention to me and to laugh at me. I don't want to put on a performance. I want to be in a performance with someone else. I want us both to be on stage. I don't want to be on stage while they're in the audience, and I don't want to be in the audience while they're on stage. There are times when I want to do that. I'm happy to listen to someone's funny story. But most of the time, I want us to be up here as peers. And sometimes I'm making you laugh, and sometimes you're making me laugh. But mainly we're laughing with each other. Those are, uh, are, I find, the most enjoyable experiences. Okay, so taking all of that into account then, Adam, where, where should somebody even start? If they recognize that, yeah, I've got to learn to kind of loosen up a little bit, where should they start? <laughs> yeah, uh, I think a, a good place, place to start is realizing that like you're, you're not going to get there by getting better at doing jokes. Um, and that, that's a big hurdle I find for people to get over when, when they want to be funnier. Um, the, the next step, I mean, this is kind of what an improv class is for if you go in with the right mindset. Although as, a, as I write in the piece, you can't take a bad one. I was once in an improv class where the teacher was like, every scene has to get to God or Hitler in 90 seconds. And I think all of us were worse for, for having <laughs> that, that experience. That's harsh, yes. Uh, um, but, but this is what you get trained to, to do, to, to pay attention to the kinds of things that... Um, that your scene partners are doing um, and to react to them, uh, to think less about yourself, that whenever you you go into your own mind thinking about like, how do I win this four-dimensional chess game of interacting with another person? How do I uh, like unlock their liking of me? To let those voices pass and go like, how do I pay more attention to what this person is saying and find what I think is interesting or weird about it? I have another article about this called uh, Good Conversations Have Lots of Doorknobs. Um, which is basically that, that like a, a good conversation is one in which I make it easy for you to say your next thing. Um, and you can do this both through asking good questions, but also through making good statements. Right. Is it about um, generosity so, then yeah. in conversation, do you think? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people think that being generous in a conversation means asking questions, but there are generous questions and ungenerous questions, uh, questions that make it easy for the other person to like give an interesting answer and a question that makes it hard. So like questions like, how many cousins do you have? See, it seems generous because I'm asking you, it's your turn to speak. Right. But the, there's no way of giving a very good answer like uh, seven. Uh, but, but a question like, oh, how did you come to be interested in this thing that you do? Uh, or like, I have this impression of like what it's like to do this job that you do. Is that impression right or, uh, or is that wrong? Questions that allow people to open up and give and tell you something interesting. That's really what a conversation is. It's a, a series of invitations to say something interesting to the next statement. And you can make that easier for someone or you can make it harder. 
And so you could also do this without a question mark, uh, like saying something that ma makes it easy for people to respond. And so in, in this piece about conversational doorknobs, I talk about givers and takers, people who think that uh, givers think that conversations unfold as a series of invitations. Like I, I ask you, you ask me. Takers think that conversations unfold as a series of declarations. Like I say my thing, you say your thing. You can do both of these things well. Neither of them is necessarily better than the other. But both of them can be done generously or ungenerously. Like I can, I can say something wild that allows you to go like, oh, that's weird. Here's what I think of it. And I can ask you a question that, that allows you to open up and tell me something interesting. Or I can make statements that give you no leeway, <laughs> nothing to, right. to respond to. And I can ask you questions that make you look boring. I, I like what you're saying here because it's about the generosity. So much, so often, I think today, especially people think that being funny almost means like being mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm a psychologist by day. There's some research on this where people uh, think that if you want to look smart, you should be critical. And if you want to look friendly, you should look dumb. Um, uh, and so some of my oldest research is, is about, uh, people doing this and responding to humor that the people thought that they would look smarter if they said that jokes were dumb, um, and, uh, and that they would look friendlier if they said the jokes were good. Uh, in fact, they were right that they looked friendlier when they said jokes were good, but it didn't do anything to people's perceptions of how smart they are. Like they were wrong that they could influence other people's right. opinions of their own competence by being critical of humor. So the kind of person who's standing uh, in the circle with their arms crossed going, that's not funny, may, may think they look like a wise critic. They, they just they look don't. like a wet blanket. <laughs> they look like a jerk is what they look <laughs> yeah. like, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, who knew yeah. that this could be so, that humor could be so interesting and not necessarily funny, but just fascinating at the same time. So Adam, thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> Hey, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. That was so interesting. That's Adam Mastoini, who's an experimental psychologist and author of the Experimental History Newsletter, talking about being funny. It is a little harder for some people, but I think he's absolutely right that generosity in conversation is often the answer to that, too, for some people.